What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Okay, so last year, let's take a look at where the uh, some of the top wide receivers finished, okay? The top four wide receivers in 2019 were Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, and Cooper Cup. That was in PPR. Where did they finish in 2020? Michael Thomas was 93rd. Chris Godwin was 31st. Julio Jones was 52nd. And Cooper Cup, the winner... Wide receiver, 26. So, yeah, that was uh, not a great repeat. Not to say those guys were ranked top four, but it was obviously kind of a wacky year with some of the very good, very high-end wide receivers. Welcome to the show, the Wednesday edition of Fantasy Football Today. Adam Azer with Dave Richard. And a big welcome, welcome back to Chris Towers. What's up? Yeah, I... I, I I made that reference on the baseball podcast the other day. So it's, it's a good week for the Welcome Back Cotter theme song. It's yeah. timely. Welcome back. I love it in the Applebee's commercial, you know? <laughs> yeah. I just makes me want to like eat dinner with friends in my neighborhood. Does it make you want to get a quesadilla burger? Is that what they have there? I believe they do. I got I one once, been, but it was like a decade ago. I don't think I've been to an Applebee's since high school. They're really not we, bad. I, I They're actually quite good. I'll tell you. I'll take your word for it. Uh, look, I mean, I'm I'm a big Chili's fan, so I'm love, not going to act oh, like I'm I some kind of Chili's. Love Chili's. Chili's is great. It is so good. Chili's should sponsor the show. <laughs> I think that's what we're trying. Hey, wink, wink, Chili's. Okay, anyway, uh, if we get into the wide receivers here, I bet you Schrager's never eaten at, at Chili's. I bet he has. Yeah, and they have very good drinks, like very good drinks. I mean, the the two for one <laughs> drinks at the bar when uh, when Not we were in college it. that was a uh, oh, that was a hit. Okay, guys, how easy or difficult was it to put together to rank your top five wide receivers? It wasn't hard. It wasn't hard. It was especially easy to like. It, it was easier to like put together a list of I would say probably the top seven. And then narrow it down from there to the top five. But I, I did not spend, I did not need to spend a lot of time, especially after the Julio trade, you know, pinpointing exactly where I want each pass catcher. Yeah, I have, uh, I think, a pretty clear top four and then a pretty clear top seven. But I think there might be some differentiation between mine and uh, Dave and everyone else's lists. But yeah, it wasn't that hard. I think the top guys kind of stand out. I think everybody knows who the top guys are. 
maybe yeah. maybe like you know the 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 fantasy manager that doesn't take it seriously, the fantasy manager that isn't even listening to this podcast right now, they might not be up to speed on AJ Brown being a top seven receiver. At least I think he's a top seven receiver. Same. Um, and I, I think they'd be on to Justin Jefferson being up there, but I'm not 100% sure. There might be like 10% of that group of you know mindless souls whose money we're going to take this year that may, might not put Justin Jefferson up there. But that's okay. That's why that's why we're doing this now for, for everybody else. Yeah, I, I think you got to throw Keenan Allen in there to be... I don't think he has wide receiver one upside, but he certainly has top five upside in specifically PPR. And he's going to be a target hog and upside for sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't actually rank him that high. He's outside my top twelve, but yeah, the the upsides there, especially with you know all the talk coming out of Chargers minicamp about how you know they're going to be running like a variation of the Saints offense, and you know him in that Michael Thomas role could be awesome. Yeah, PPR per game last four seasons, Keenan Allen's been fourth, twelfth, eighth, and sixth. So never higher than fourth, never lower than 12th in the last four seasons. All right, so that was, you know, it wasn't that difficult for you. I assume the consensus top five is certainly going to include Adams, Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, and DeAndre Hopkins. And then who's going to be the other guy? Is it going to be Michael Thomas? Is it going to be Calvin Ridley? Are people going to fall in love with Justin Jefferson? We'll see. Uh, okay, should Tyreek Hill, my next question, should Tyreek Hill be the number two wide receiver in... In PPR leagues. That's where I have him. That's where he finished last year in PPR points per game. 21.1 PPR points per game last year. Super consistent. He scored a touchdown in 11 of his 15 regular season games. He was outstanding. It's it's a little tough to commit to him as the number one guy so long as Devontae Adams remains the number one target of Aaron Rodgers. No, yeah. No, if, I'm going to say number two. If that remains yeah. the case, then I got to keep Tyreek Hill where he is in PPR. Different story in non PPR, but to, to me, I, I'm uh, betting on Tyreek Hill. Not only are you betting on one of the fastest players in the National Football League and one of the most aggressive offenses in the National Football League, but a guy who's catching passes from the best quarterback in the National Football League. And, and what you're alluding to, though, is that you actually have Tyreek Hill number one in non PPR, right? Right, but not in half or full. I'll still take Adams there. Uh, again, with the caveat that Aaron Rodgers is his quarterback and not Jordan Love. Please not ever Jordan Love. Yeah, I mean, what do you think about that, Chris? First first making Tyreek Hill wide receiver one in non-PPR. Uh, he's number three for me in non-PPR. It, it's, it's really difficult right now because there is so much that is up in the air with Devontae Adams' value. On the other hand, he was really, really good with Deshaun Kaiser back in, was that 2017? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was, but no. it wasn't anywhere near. It was Brett Hundley. Brett um, Hundley, that's who it was. Yeah, yeah. He Don was. Kaiser, I thought, yeah, it was Hundley. We get those guys confused sometimes. Bus quarterback. He wasn't, he wasn't anywhere near this, but it, it's not like he was, like, it's not like he was much worse in 2017, and that was before his real breakout. It's not like he was so much worse then than Tyreek Hill was last in, in 2019. You know, obviously he was dealing with injuries, yeah, but um, uh, and, you know, and I, I think all of these guys have high floors in, in, you know, pretty much any situation. I don't think Devontae Adams is going to stop being a number one wide receiver because Aaron Rodgers isn't there. I 
well, a number one or the number one, you know, a number one, right? He was on pace for uh, ninety-two catches, one thousand eighty-six yards, and ten touchdowns with Brett Hundley. That was in seven game, eight games, and that was with Hundley being horrible. Hundley was on pace for just yeah. over three thousand yards and sixteen touchdowns. So pathetic. Uh, but but no, but I think it's. I mean. Why, Dave? Why would you take Tyreek Hill over Devontae Adams in a non-PPR league? Just because I think that Adams' touchdowns... I don't think he can score quite as many this year as he did last year. I think Tyreek has a little bit more upside in yardage. Certainly, he's got the potential to do it just because of yards after catch. They could be close in touchdowns. I'll take the upside play. Okay. Yeah, he had he had 18 touchdowns. Hill had 17 touchdowns, 15 receiving, two rushing. And Hill yes, had I like, think Adams is a safer bet for touchdowns than Hill, actually. Yeah, well, okay, okay. Go on, and then let's talk about that because I mean, obviously, Hill had crazy touchdown luck last year. He had like 40% of his team's receiving touchdowns. That's not necessarily true if Aaron Rodgers isn't the quarterback, obviously. So we have to caveat that. But assuming Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback... Adams, his target share is so high. I mean, I think he was 33% or something. He was the the highest in the NFL by far. Um, Aaron Rodgers peppers him with targets in a way that just isn't true for Tyreek Hill in the Chiefs offense. And so that's always going to lead to more touchdowns just because he has more opportunities for it. Tyreek Hill's big playability does give him more touchdown potential than any other guy in the 130 to 140 target range because He's a touchdown threat every time he touches the ball. But what we've seen in his career is it's not like he's necessarily been the super high touchdown rate guy every single season. Last year, I mean, even taking away the two rushing touchdowns, which I think, you know, I think we can all agree that there's mm-hmm. a lot of luck involved in that. Uh, but 15 touchdowns on 135 targets. He had seven on 89 in 2019. He had 12 on 137 last season. So, you know, this was the first time in Tyreek Hill's career where he's had a 10% touchdown rate or higher. Um, so I just think that last year was more of an outlier for him in terms of touchdowns than it was for Devontae Adams, who has had, you know, four double-digit touchdown seasons before. But Tyreek Hill has two in his last three, and that was when Mahomes yep. was healthy and he was healthy. I, I expect double. You, we both, we all expect yes. double digit touchdowns from both of them, right? Yes, but I have Devonte Adams with the highest touchdown projection. I think Hill is, Hill's still third. So I'm not, I'm not exactly, uh, you know, saying Tyreek Hill's not going to score a lot of touchdowns. Okay. Uh, all right. So that's an interesting debate, and uh, I think for the sake of this show, we should probably just treat it as if. Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback in week one for the Green Bay I think Packers. that's how you have to treat it just in general. I think if the Packers were hell-bent on trading him, they've had two huge moments where they could have done it. They could have done it on draft night. They didn't do it. They could have done it right after June 1st. So why would they wait to trade him now in case of an injury or something? Like I, I don't know what would be holding them uh, back. Maybe it's not. not on them at this point. It could be on Rodgers if he's actually going to show up. Maybe he's not getting maybe, traded, but yeah. is he going to show up? Maybe there's something to that, but I, I think the Packers front office thinks that they're going to keep him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, if you haven't heard yet, we're giving away spots to this year's Scott Fishbowl League. All you have to do is subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash today, and comment your Twitter handle on any of our videos this week. Scott Fishbowl 11 is a fun league with fans, analysts, and celebrities. You won't want to miss out. Remember to enter 
All you have to do is subscribe to Fantasy Football Today on YouTube and comment your Twitter handle, and good luck to you. And by the way, we're going to have a a mailbag show on Friday. Apple Podcast reviews are welcome. Please leave a a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with a question, and we will answer it on our Friday show, along with your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. That is the letter I, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Looking at uh, some wide receivers here. You know, for, for quarterback... I kind of I phrased it, framed it as like other than Mahomes, and for running back I framed it as other than Cook and McCaffrey. But I'm not going to do that here. I'm just going to ask you who has the most upside at wide receiver. I still I think it's probably Devontae Adams. I don't know if I can pick one guy that can for sure do it. But if if you had to think about which receiver had the potential for the most targets, Adams would be up there. Ridley would be up there. Diggs would be up there. Yeah. And I think that I think Adams is probably the safest play to say that he's got the most upside. Tyreek's got upside too. I just don't think he's got the most the upside to catch the most targets or see the most targets, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, Ridley's a Ridley's a really good call. That that was probably an oversight for me because he did lead the NFL in air yards last season. Um he showed he could still be successful without Julio Jones last season, even with Matt Ryan struggling. Um the question for me is like, does he have that? 160, 170, you know, 10 targets per game or more upside. I, I would think he does without uh, Julio Jones, but I'm not 100% sure. Whereas we have seen that from Calvin or from Devontae Adams. We have seen that from mm-hmm. Michael Thomas in particular, those two guys. Think- you know, Michael Thomas, he had a 1,700 yard, 150 catch season two years ago. Obviously, the, the QB situation is different, but, um, I still think he's in that discussion. Julio leaving behind 7.55 targets per game in Atlanta. Yeah. No, that's got to hey, be more than that. It, that it, that's what it is just the with the raw numbers. Really play. Yeah, right, right, right. I'm including right. those games. So if you take that out Fair. and you do 68 divided by 7, then you're looking at about 10 per game. Right. Yeah. Um, and just one, like here's just an important stat to know about Devontae Adams. He's been on pace for 111 or more catches three straight years. Bam, right there. I mean, that's that's wild. Um Okay, who yeah, has, I don't think Tyreek can touch that. That's why Adams remains number one. Who has the most downside? Most downside among these elite wide receivers? Uh, Brandon Cooks. No, nothing. You, yeah, you want I mean, the I elite wide receivers? How are we defining it? Yeah, if it's if it's the top that top seven or eight, I think it's. Oh, it's going to hurt to say it. I mean, Adams. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't play, but I still think he's going to be really good. Um, Hopkins, you know, the one interesting thing about this elite wide receiver group is it's mostly older guys, you know, wide receivers tend to peak at 28 and then there's like a two year, very steady decline phase. And once you hit 31 wide receivers as a population, that's the year that they tend to really fall off. But 28, 27, 28 is typically the best year of a wide receivers career. Devontae Adams is 28. I believe Michael Thomas is 27. Stephon Diggs is 27. DeAndre Hopkins is 28 or 29. I, yeah, I think he's going to be 29. So it's it's a really interesting place because I think we're probably looking at this next year and of the you know Adams, Diggs, Hopkins, Hill group, we're probably looking at one or two of them having a, a fall-off season. And it's just a question of which one it is. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Hopkins to, is so what's the what's the uh, kind of a what's the answer? Who's got the the most? Uh, by the way, I think the elite wide receivers can play very well, well into their thirties. So I'm not worried about a 29 year old person. I, I think Chris is, and Chris, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I don't think you're talking about it. Like they turn 31 and then their yeah. legs fall off, but they're no, it, a steady decline, like you said. Yeah, but it's like but who's you know, 31. Nobody in yeah. this group is. They're 28, 29, 27 through 29. So we're good. So it's like, but there's good. a couple of young ones in here, too. Yeah, we're yeah, good. I, I think it's more like what we've seen from Adam Thielen the last couple of seasons, I, where he can still be really prop good. Him up. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's just a nuanced receiver who like is a terrific route runner, doesn't command double coverage very often, gets schemed open. Like that's kind of what you need when you're hey, an old guy. You need like you know a walker who's he gets, got his walker. the most downside guys. Let me give let me, me an give answer. You, let me give you the case for AJ Brown, which it, it hurts me to do because I think he's a phenomenal talent, but he's not gonna he's not in line for 150 targets so long as Julio Jones is healthy. If Julio Jones plays the majority of the season, that'll hurt his target volume. This is still a team that wants to run the football a lot with Derrick Henry. This is a team that will probably try and cultivate some other talent behind Julio and A.J. Brown. Those two aren't going to get every single uh, pass target from Ryan Tannehill. I, I think there is some downside for A.J. Brown based on his ADP. I really love Calvin Ridley. I'll just make the case for downside for Calvin Ridley having the most downside. Uh, we haven't really seen a lot of him as a number one. And when he was the number one last year without Julio Jones, he had a lot of targets, 10 per game. He had a lot mm-hmm. of yards. He had a very, very low touchdown rate, which you would say, hey, whatever, small sample. But that's what happened to Julio Jones year after year. Um, and I don't know. I mean, the Falcons could be really bad offensively now. And they have they might have a really bad running game. And they have an aging quarterback. And there's really no help for Calvin Ridley unless we just expect Kyle Pitts to be great. So I don't believe this. I think Ridley is in the conversation as wide receiver three. Uh, ultimately, I think I'd settle on him as wide receiver five. I can't quite justify him over Diggs or Hopkins, but uh, I can make the case that it's, oh. there's unknown, there's uncertainty there. We haven't seen it from Ridley, so that's the case. I'll make a case for one that might be super unpopular, but DK Metcalf. Oh, I don't you think know, he's part of the If we're including discussion. him among that elite group of wide receivers, I uh-huh. I wasn't, but go ahead. But I'm happy to ha- hear this. Go ahead. It's mostly just that among the elite or you know second-tier elite wide receivers, he's probably the most touchdown-dependent of that group and the most big play-dependent of that group. It helps having Russell Wilson. Um, but we saw in the second half of last season, he was not an elite wide receiver after he really looked like he made that leap in the first half. He only had two touchdowns in his final eight games, was only on pace for 80 catches, 1,030 yards, 13 yards per reception now came back in the playoffs and had a two-touchdown, 96-yard, five-catch mm-hmm. game. Yeah, But he's the kind of guy... Against the Rams. Where, yeah, where if he doesn't have that 40-yard touchdown, he can be disappointing on a week-to-week basis. Now, yeah, I love having him on my team because there are going to be weeks where he hits two of the 40-yard touchdowns and he's going to hmm. you know help carry you to a win. Yeah, But if you're looking for a guy in the top 10 group, let's say, who could have a disappointing season that's not related to injury, that's not related to QB, I think Metcalf is probably the guy, and we saw a little bit of that in the second half last season. Mm -hmm. And I'm really interested to see in the new system that's going to emphasize shorter throws and getting the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands, is that a bad fit for Metcalf? At least have to ask that question. 
he's got to dominate after the catch, which was part of his secret sauce in the first eight games of last season. Almost six yards after catch, or yards after contact per catch uh, in the first eight games, and that fell to 3.3 in the second half. His target volume was almost the same. It was down a little bit, maybe one target per game from the first eight to the second eight, and he just wasn't getting as many touchdowns. I don't have the numbers on like end zone targets or red zone opportunities from you know the splits here, but obviously that offense took a big turn in the second half of last season. Russ was throwing five fewer passes per game. Um, they weren't comfortable with the way defenses were playing them. Uh, I think it does come down to just how they re, re, reconfigure this offense and try and beat the cover two shell. Uh, by the way, I want to just go back to Tyreek Hill. We keep talking about Tyreek Hill not going to get the same amount of targets as these other guys, and and I don't, I don't think anyone's going to care about this. I'm just going to tell you anyway. I've told you this before. Uh, it's been it's been a pretty big sample of games without Sammy Watkins over the last three years. In 2018, he averaged in seven games without Watkins, um, 9.6 targets per game for Tyreek Hill. He played one game in 2019 without Watkins. He had 10 targets. And in 2020, when five games without Sammy Watkins, not including Week 17 when Mahomes didn't play, 10 targets per game. So that is 13 games over the last three seasons with uh, without Watkins and with Mahomes, and he's averaged 10 targets per game. They probably should do that. They should. <laughs> and if they did, he might be the number one wide receiver in fantasy. And let me follow up on that because they did do that after the first six games of the season. And this is when right. they, they traded for Le'Veon Bell, and that was it really had nothing to do with Le'Veon Bell, but they just changed their offense, and they said, we're going to stop running the ball. We're going to just throw. And I don't, I'm trying to find the numbers now, but at that point... Mahomes, or from from his the last nine games for Tyreek Hill, from week seven on, Mahomes threw like 40 times a game, and Hill was on pace for, I think he was averaging more than 10 targets per game. And his numbers were ridiculous. So it, it might happen. Not going to be good news for Clyde edwards Zelaer if that happens, but... Yeah, no. if I projected Tyreek Hill for 10 targets per game, he would probably be wide receiver one or two. And even even if you don't project him for 10, he averaged nine overall yeah. last year. He was at 8.6 in 2018, which was Mahomes' big breakout year. 2019, when Mahomes got hurt, he was at 7.4 targets per game. So he's always had good to great target share. Yeah. I, I don't know if we, if we should even... I, I can live with nine. I can live with 8.6 oh, yeah. per game from him yeah. because I know he's got these big plays that you know he will unfurl every few... Every few catches, honestly. It's not necessarily every few games. All right, so yeah, it's yeah, it's sorry, just that question of whether he has the 120 tar- catch upside. All right, so, so let me give you the numbers. Catches, that's a lot different, right? So the last nine games, his 16-game pace in those nine games, 110 catches, 1,586 yards, 20 touchdowns on 172 mm. targets. Yeah, let, let's let's project him for exactly that. <laughs> yeah, if he can be, yeah, if he's 110 catches, and was that including playoffs? No, no, because he he was absurd, and he had 10 10 or 11 targets in each playoff game. He had 355 yards in in three games too. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. He's, pr- he's pretty good. Yeah. If he does that, he 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 might be your number one overall pick. Yeah, in fantasy, right. if we could just pencil that in now, uh, let, let's make sure that that happens. And remember, Ben Gretsch talked about this on our Tuesday night live stream uh, a week ago. He said 
a lot of receivers, they get those pop passes. Those are free PPR points. Tyreek gets those, and he gets those in the red zone. Yes, he does. He gets mm-hmm. those inside the five. The Chiefs have started to figure out and get creative with how to combat the tight space that defenses have the luxury of having when you're inside the five-yard line. And instead of smashing it between the the A and B gaps, they can get creative with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. He'll benefit. That's what helped boost up those targets last year. Okay, so... That was a lot on Tyreek Hill, and I think he's really interesting because I do wonder if people would have the, I wouldn't say guts, but if people would actually take him lower than wide receiver two in a full PPR league. You can make the case, but you have to think about the touchdowns. Mahomes is just probably going to throw a lot more touchdowns than Kyler Murray, you know, yeah. um, than Matt Ryan. All right, but that brings us to your what is your boldest rankings call? And Chris, tell me where you have Tyreek Hill. <laughs> like, just give me your PPR rankings because they're pretty damn bold. Uh, yeah, I have Devontae Adams, number one, Michael Thomas, number two, Stephon Diggs, number three, DeAndre Hopkins, four, and Tyreek Hill, five. And that's PPR. And non-PPR, it's actually Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, what? Michael Thomas, Stephon Diggs. You put A.J. Brown ahead of Tyreek Hill? They're projected for very, very Who similar. Who cares? Numbers. You can't. You cannot do that, Chris Dallas. Wait a minute. I think he deserves the floor to explain his rationale. Because oh he's tired. I'm intrigued. So, I talked about how only once in his career has Tyreek Hill had a 10% touchdown rate per target. So, right. you know, touchdown rate. AJ Brown's done that twice in two seasons. Uh, he's got 190 targets and 19 touchdowns. So. I don't know if you can set that as his baseline, and I'm not doing that. But I do have him for the highest tar- touchdown rate of any play- of any wide receiver in football because, one, he's established himself as an elite touchdown player. And two, he's got Julio Jones on the other side of the field now. He's playing with a very efficient quarterback, and he's playing with a wide receiver who consistently throughout his career has drawn the kind of defensive attention in the red zone that has allowed the other players playing with him to rack up really high touchdown rates. People knock Julio Jones for not scoring touchdowns, but that has never actually impacted his team negatively. Julio Jones, it's not like Julio Jones' teams have like marched down the field and then stalled out in the red zone a ton. He just, he's such a dominant force that defenses have to put the, the defensive attention on him. And that allows Calvin Ridley to have nine touchdowns as a rookie. You know, it, it, it's, that's what's happening. So I think, the combination of everything. I actually did move AJ Brown up one spot after the Julio Jones trade. You legitimately in the minority. Like you you legitimately, if you're doing a non PPR draft tonight, you're totally mm-hmm. taking AJ Brown ahead of Tyreek Hill. Yeah. I just I understand that your projections came out that way and it all mm-hmm. makes sense mathematically, but Tyreek Hill has been a top two wide receiver in two of the last three seasons in non PPR. And Mahomes. I mean, he's going to... It's Mahomes, it's Kelsey, it's Tyreek Hill. What else does he have to contend with? You know, I mean, the pass volume he's, is going to be so much higher. This is no, no, none of it. And we're, we're, I mean, we're talking about uh, a gap of, in a PPR league, one and a half projected points. So, like, I can't say it's like slam dunk A.J. Brown. For me, it's... I'm never actually really going to have that decision. Because yes, someone's gonna probably going to take Tyreek Hill before I do. Yeah, but you could have the eighth pick sure. in the draft, and you could want a wide receiver, or you could have the twelfth pick, and you could want a wide receiver, and everybody but Devontae Adams is is still there. I think in a non PPR league, it's it's probably a non issue. It it hasn't come up yet. I will say. 
Okay. Yeah, That's the bold. only thing I would say, and I love the rationale for A.J. Brown. I, I don't know if it'll come to fruition. And, and maybe it will. Maybe he will get 12 touchdowns, but maybe only like uh, like 1,000 yards with it, like 1,000 on the nose. Uh, I just I think you don't have to do it. I think you can still take Tyreek Hill. You can sure. like A.J. Brown more than Tyreek Hill. Sure. But you can, you know. No, I don't agree with you because if you, you if you have you the, should expect Tyreek Hill to go ahead of AJ Brown. If you have the twelfth pick, Dave, you're not you getting get a, you're not getting AJ Brown thirty sixth. So if you want AJ right. Brown, you got to take him there. Sure, yeah, of course. And you're not going to because <laughs> you're going to take Tyreek Hill unless well, I'm you probably truly believe, like Chris believes, that AJ Brown is going to outproduce well, Tyreek Hill like, in non PPR. Like I said, the gap between those two guys is basically non-existent. Well, it should be I bigger. Think, I think Devontae Adams is the clear number one. In, in every format, uh, as long as Aaron Rodgers plays. After that, we're, we're, we're talking about tiny, tiny differences between most of the guys in, in, in the top seven. So if you want to make the case that I'm too low on Terry Kill, well, I've got him projected for 94 catches, 1,400 yards, and 11 touchdowns. I've just got, basically, it's just I have A.J. Brown for a slight, basically very similar numbers, slightly fewer catches, more touchdowns. If you think that it should be even touchdowns, then the the edge goes to Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I mean, look, his touchdown rate is going to be higher than Tyreek Hill's maybe, but I'm thinking a lot more touchdown passes for at least 10 more touchdown passes for Mahomes than Tannehill. Yeah. Uh, All right, so that's your boldest call. You also have Michael Thomas. You said second in PPR. We know that. Uh, Dave, how about you? What's your boldest call? I don't really have a bold call. I'm I'm pretty much going with the flow when it comes to these receivers. May, you know, it feels like maybe having Justin Jefferson sixth could be a bold call. Just having him ahead of AJ Brown, putting him close to the putting him in the elite tier of fantasy wide receivers. But I loved what he did last year, in spite of very very few red zone targets. And I I just I can't help myself but believe that he's going to get more red zone targets. He was so outstanding everywhere else on the field. I, I think that Justin Jefferson actually has room to be a little better than he was last year. Okay. All right, then. Let's take a quick break, and we'll really go through the rankings because you're just listening to this. You're not seeing anything on paper. You might not know uh, who's ranked where in full PPR and, and non-PPR. So we'll, we'll put it out there for you all, and we'll try to read your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com, and we're coming right back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. All right, I want to remind everybody to email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. That is the letter I, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. We're getting a ton of emails these days, which is great. Very excited about that. That means we're not going to be able to read all of them on the show. I will reply to some of them uh, independently, and we'll read some on our Friday mailbag, but 
unfortunately, a lot, a lot of the emails are just going to probably not get answered, but please email, keep emailing, and see if you can get on the show because we appreciate the content. I, I like to answer some on the FF Today newsletter as well. Oh, so, good. You know, good. I'll try yeah. to answer some of those too. CBSSports.com slash newsletters. Is it, I always forget, singular or plural. I got to change newsletters. something that I said, by the way. Before the break, I said that Jefferson didn't have very many red zone targets. He only had eight targets inside the 10. That's what I should have said. No, he didn't have that many red zone targets. That's I know, but the, like the, the stat that gets me is that Justin Jefferson only had eight targets inside the 10 last year. That's got to go up. Thielen, 13 of his 14 touchdowns last year were in the red zone. 10 of them were inside the 10. Seven of them were inside the five. So and, yeah. Thielen almost had as many touchdowns inside the five as Jefferson had targets inside the 10. That's got to even out. Yeah. And that, Jefferson uh, only had 10 red like zone a, targets. That also seems like a an argument f- against Adam Thielen. Yes. Oh, yeah. I don't even know what, what his... <laughs> I don't even know where people are taking him. Is he in that round four mix? I, I know he where people are taking him. He seems to go him, like two rounds higher than I have him ranked. I'll look at his ADP in the NFC right now. Yeah, I know where he's going, but I know that I never take him. Uh, Okay, anyway, so let's do it. Let's go one through five. Let's go full PPR. And Chris, what do you got? Full PPR, one through five. And and Adam, just to let you know, I did knock off 0.3 touchdowns from A.J. Brown's (laughs) projection. So now he is number three. In non PPR, just for okay, you. Good. Wow. Well, but it, look, it's not even about the projections because your projections always make sense. It's just about like how. But it's just, I can't stomach the thought of putting Tyreek Hill behind AJ Brown. It just doesn't make any sense to me. You know, even you don't if, have to do it though. Like that's the beautiful thing about all this is that everybody was just treated to somebody else's opinion. That that's rare because, I, I mean, how many fantasy analysts are there in the world? A ton. 90% of them are going to have Tyreek Hill out of A.J. Brown, and here's one that doesn't. And now we understand why, and you know what? It's actually not a bad argument. No, you're right. It is is a good argument. I wouldn't have the guts to do that even if my projections said A.J. Brown was going to be better than Tyreek Hill. Well, then you should not project players. You're a coward. I am. (laughs) Well, I play it safe, but I don't think think Tyreek Hill is playing it safe. You know what I mean? I I don't think... Oh, absolutely. Look, there's... there's, He's this kill. is the problem with any like rankings debate is that like I specifically made a point not to make any kind of argument against Tyreek Hill because <laughs> that would be a stupid thing to do. And I'm I don't think I'm a stupid person. Tyreek Hill is amazing. He's right. one of the best players in the NFL. He's you know, he's the guy that every draft there's four guys who are like, this guy could be the Tyreek Hill of this offense. And it's like he's not going to be. There's one Tyreek Hill ever. Yeah. So right. like that's not it's just. I also think AJ Brown is that kind of talent. Yeah, he's terrific. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, uh, Dave. Sorry. Oh no, Chris, you first. Your yes. your top five in full PPR: Devonte Adams, Michael Thomas, Stefan Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyreek Hill. And I think that's more or less. You know, Calvin Ridley's right in that group. And then after that, I think there's a little drop. Okay, but Thomas too. So Adams, Thomas went Diggs, Hopkins. Diggs, Hopkins, Hill. Okay, Dave? Yeah, I'm taking an NFA approach to my PPR receiver rankings. It's Adams 1, Hill 2, Diggs 3, Ridley 4, New Hopkins 5. Adam Thielen's NFC ADP in June, by the way, is 55th overall, so he's a round 5 pick. Yeah. Yeah. Wide receiver 20. 
Yep. You do have the same names. No, you don't have the same names. We uh, do not. Sorry. You do, Dave, you do not have Michael Thomas in your top five. Chris has him second. I don't have Thomas in my top 12. <sighs> yeah, I'm on an island on Michael Thomas, for sure. But so is I Dave. think I'm on a different island. <laughs> yeah. I think most people have him in between us. Yeah, yeah I think he, he's right around, uh, he's wide receiver nine in overall NFC ADP. He's closer to Keenan Allen than he is to A.J. Brown. I have heard Chris's argument for Michael Thomas many times. Let's hear it again. But first, Dave, why you don't have him in, t- in the top 12? Drew Brees has retired. So now the option is to throw passes pod. to Michael Thomas. Bonus pod. <laughs> You've got Jameis Winston, who I don't think any of us should be convinced that he's suddenly be- going to become a more accurate quarterback. And you've got Taysom Hill, who did target uh, Michael Thomas a lot, but it wasn't necessarily on a lot of deep stuff, a lot of slants. And I know that that's the type of route that Michael Thomas can dominate. I think defenses know at this point, it's like the opposite of what happened to A.J. Brown. Defenses know what to do when they're taking on the Saints and it's third and eight. They're going to put an extra guy on Michael Thomas. He's beaten the double before. Can he keep doing it with a different quarterback who's not going to throw as accurate a ball as Drew Brees did? Makes me nervous. Makes me wonder just how many of his targets are going to be catchable and what is his upside as far as catches go? Because I I will give him credit. The years where he had a catch rate of 70% plus, yeah, that's amazing. But a lot of it had to do with the fact that Drew Brees was throwing to him and Brees was throwing an accurate football. So I'm a little nervous to, to buy back into Michael Thomas knowing that the, the the system is changing and the way that defenses will approach the Saints will change. Okay, Chris, give me your 30 to 45 second rebuttal. Uh, I think there's value in all of that. I don't think he's going to be, I mean, his catch rate in the, the last two healthy seasons is 85 and 81%, which is just, it's off the charts. Nobody does that as a wide right. receiver. It's rare to do that as a running back. Um, he's not going to do that again, but I think what's going to happen, especially if, Jameis Winston is the quarterback for the Saints is I think the volume is going to be there. I think he's going to continue to be a 30% target share rate guy. I think he's going to be, you know, a 10 targets per game guy. And I think, you know, what he loses in catch rate, I think he can make up for in slightly more valuable targets overall, or at least more valuable targets, a higher volume of valuable targets, more down the field attempts, which is not something that Drew Brees has done a ton. Uh, potentially more touchdowns with a more aggressive quarterback. Jameis Winston's issue as a quarterback has never been that he can't put yards and touchdowns on the board. The issue is that instead of 15 interceptions, which is what a normal quarterback would have in his uh, shoes, he had 30 in his last season as a starter. But it was not like he couldn't put up huge uh, passing and touchdown numbers and it's not like he couldn't sustain high level fantasy production michael michael thomas is still in his prime he was a basically 1400 yards to 120 catch guy with Taysom hill and that was when he wasn't healthy his last game of the regular season was Taysom hill's last game as a starter he was dealing with that high ankle sprain pretty much all season he went on ir twice he came back in the playoffs had seven catches for 73 yards and a touchdown I think Michael Thomas is closer to the guy he was in 2018 and 2019 than what we saw last season. And I think even with the QB change, he's going to be very, very good. Ultimately, a lot of it just comes down to math. He he might just have volume that nobody but Devontae Adams can touch. Breeze was, this was in 2019, he was on target 14.2% more 
than Jameis was. Oh yeah. I mean, it's. Well, it was just, a lot. I'm just kind of rehashing what yeah. I said. It, I'm I'm just worried that Michael Thomas might get ten or eleven targets per game, but eight or nine of them might be catchable, <laughs> and then he's only catching seven or eight. And I say only like it's bad. It's not. I'm just I'm just worried about I'm worried about that efficiency up upgrade too that you're talking about, where he's going to start to do more down the field. Uh, I, I don't know if I can if I can I truly believe fair. in it. Yeah, I'll tell you what also concerns me is. You did mention the numbers with Taysom Hill. Um, I, I don't know that Jameis is keeping the job. You know, you got a contending team here. Last time with Tampa Bay, they sure. weren't a contending team. Um, remember the year before that, he kept losing his job to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, yes, I know Jameis Winston can put up big numbers. He was a top five quarterback that year. I know that he can produce an elite wide receiver. He's given us a top three wide receiver twice. Mike Evans once, Chris Godwin once. But uh, I don't know that he's keeping the job. If he starts throwing interceptions, he's, I think he's going to lose that job. But I, I will but just he can, even when he has the job, Taysom Hill's going to take him off the field for yeah. 10 snaps. QB uh, has never been a problem for Michael Thomas. That is true. He yeah. was great with Bridgewater. He has played with three different starting quarterbacks, and he's been basically an elite fantasy wide receiver with all of them. Last year, he didn't score the touchdowns. But if he gets 120 catches and 1,400 yards like he was on pace for, I think you're going to be happy with him. Okay. Um, any issues, guys, with Diggs or Hopkins, or are they basically who we think they are? I think Diggs is, uh, like, I, I was going to make the comment, we could probably nitpick every receiver in the top five and come up with why they've got downside. I don't know if I can come up with serious downside thoughts for Stefan Diggs. Well, Josh Allen's accuracy Josh Allen regresses. regresses. Right. Yeah, that's the only one. But I, I, we, we talked about this earlier in the week. I don't think the Bills are suddenly going to become a run team. I think they're going to continue to lean on Josh Allen as their, the genesis of their offense. I think Allen has learned how to throw an accurate football. We were just grooving. This is happening right now on our podcast. Can we get rid of it? There we go. <laughs> We need to clip that. That was awesome. Yeah. All right, Dave. Getting funky. Um, oh, my God. We have got to make some type of music. Uh, to that is going to be a thing. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. How do you differentiate between Diggs and Hopkins? You, Chris, have Diggs one spot ahead of Hopkins. You have, they go three, four. Uh, is there a yeah, difference to you? There's very little differentiation between them. Um, I, it's a 10 point projection difference and you know across the board it's two catches 30 yards one touchdown and the thing that's going to be key for me is I think Stefan Diggs plays with a better quarterback but you know there's no question Kyler Murray is as talented as Josh Allen and I think the addition of Rondale Moore could be really really good for DeAndre Hopkins because you know this is something Cliff Kingsbury was raving about during minicamp is Rondell Moore's ability to make plays after the catch, which has been a huge part of the Cliff Kingsbury offense so far in Atlanta, in Arizona, where it's been a lot of short throws, screens behind the behind the line of scrimmage. DeAndre Hopkins, especially last season, had a ton of those types of targets. His uh, average depth of target fell to 8.9 yards. It was above 11 the previous two seasons. Those kind of targets, some of them are going to go to Rondell Moore. And I don't think it's just going to mean fewer targets for DeAndre Hopkins. I think it's going to mean more valuable targets. Like I was saying with Michael Thomas, if if DeAndre Hopkins loses some of those shorter yard targets where he's, you know, catching a screen and getting six yards, it might mean more downfield targets, more red zone targets, more of the more valuable targets that can help him make up for 
you know, what might be a small loss in uh, volume. I think when you look at all these receivers we've talked about, Adams, Hill, Michael Thomas, Diggs, Ridley, Hopkins, just stop, stop, uh, stop there with the top six. Mm-hmm. Hopkins is the only one that you could at least argue got serious competition this offseason. With maybe AJ Green's not completely washed up because his you know, he gets he saw so many inaccurate passes. Dave pointed that out. He saw the most inaccurate passes, the highest percentage of inaccurate passes. Anybody who got a hundred targets. Now was that because he he was not open, or was that because Burrow and him just had a bad connection? And then they drafted Rondell Moore. But that's what I love about this group is that Devontae Adams, oh, whatever you know, Amari Rogers not a big threat. Um, Tyreek Hill didn't add any big threat. Uh, Michael Thomas has absolute junk, you know, basically. Uh, Hopkins, you know, Diggs that didn't add anybody. I don't think that Green and Moore are going to really take away from him, but he's the only one. Ridley got a better situation. Jefferson, they didn't add anything. He's the only one where maybe he loses some target share because DeAndre Hopkins had a 28% target share last year, and that was one of the lowest marks in the last six years for him. He was almost always 30% or more. Uh, yeah, but he yeah. is still the alpha on a high, oh, for sure. a high volume, high paced offense that, you know, we hoped Kyler Murray would take the leap last season. And there was early on, especially, uh, you know, a bit of a leap. Let's not forget, you know, Kyler Murray's season kind of went sideways when he had suffered that shoulder injury. I think it was against Pittsburgh nope. uh, in like Seattle. week nine or 10. Seattle. Yeah, um, Seattle. His passing numbers really took a hit. And DeAndre Hopkins, you know, was, if not, you know, the consensus number two wide receiver before that, he was right in that discussion. I don't think he was quite as good as Devontae Adams. Um, now, I can tell you what so, he was if you want. He was first nine games, he was uh, eighth in non PPR, third in PPR per game. Okay, there you go. Third. Yeah, third. Yeah, I mean, he was on pace for 120 catches, 1,531 yards, only seven touchdowns. So, you know, I, I do think the touchdown rate is, is ultimately what it comes down to. If Kyler Murray can be more effective in the red zone as a passer, um, I think that's where DeAndre Hopkins can make up for what what he might lose in volume. And think about what that offense is going to look like in the red zone now. Last year, it was Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk. This year, it's A.J. Green and Rondell. I think those are upgrades. I I think Green is an upgrade. Uh, Say what you will about him last year and how rough he was last year. I think he's an upgrade over Larry, even though Moore will play theoretically in the slot, whereas Green will line up outside more often Mm -hmm. than not. Um, but more, I, I think anybody is is an upgrade over Christian Kirk at this point. And those two guys combined for like 150 targets last year. Okay, Dave, tell me um, your top five in non-PPR. Top five receivers in non-PPR. Tyreek Hill is still my number one. Chris makes an excellent case for Devontae Adams to be the number one. He makes an excellent case for A.J. Brown to be number two. A.J. Brown is not there for me at all in the top five. It's Hill one, Adams two, Diggs three, Ridley four, Hopkins five. Okay, Chris, your top five in non-PPR. Yeah, it is. Let me sort. Devontae Adams, Terry Kill, A.J. Brown, Stephon Diggs, and Michael Thomas. So Thomas made your top five regardless of format. Yep. I'm really, really in on Michael Thomas. I think he's going to have an awesome year, but that is obviously not at all a knock against Calvin Ridley. You know what this reminds me of is uh, Max Scherzer, Chris, who although he is injured, was someone that you were higher on than everybody. Yes. And uh, really was a great call. I mean, it was worked out for you because he's been Thank awesome. You. He bounced back. He's got a 221 ERA. 
and a 12.1 strikeout. He's what he was. Yep. I mean, he's even better than what he was before last year's kind of yeah, fluky year. And, and yeah. I think it just kind of highlights a, a little bit of a philosophy of, philosophy of mine where, you know, I, I want to try to make sure I don't overreact to the most recent season. And I think it's easier in, in baseball than football because the, the player landscape in football changes a lot more dramatically from year to year than it does in baseball. But in Michael Thomas's case, I don't think what we saw in 2020 was a skills decline. I think what we saw was... He just wasn't healthy. He was playing through that that ankle injury for the for the pretty much the entire season. I think he suffered it in week one. And so I'm willing to bet that the guy everyone thought was the number one wide receiver and a you know consensus top five pick a year ago can get back to that level. Okay. Gonna read some emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. This is from Jeff from the town where Jason Voorhees is from. I have that, that. That's not a movie series I've really watched. Where did Dave go? We lost him again. Football, 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 football. <laughs> uh, camp Crystal Lake, I know, is the camp. So I'm guessing Crystal Lake. I, I don't know what the town is, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, dear John, Casey, Jamie, and Rip. I have no idea. 10 team half PPR keeper league. I can keep up to three players in the round drafted. I can only keep the players for one year, then they're back in the draft pool. It's a three-receiver league and two flexes. My keeper options are, remember, he can keep up to three of them. Cam Akers in the fifth, Antonio Gibson in the sixth, CeeDee Lamb in the tenth, Hawkinson in the fourteenth. This is a half PPR league. Akers in the fifth, Gibson in the sixth, Lamb in the tenth, Hawkinson in the fourteenth. My... I think I would go. I think Lamb is the easiest call. After that, I think it's really close. My my initial thought was because you're going three wide receivers, two flex, only one tight end spot. The the tight end spot is even more diluted in your overall lineup, and so the you know the fact that Hawkinson might outscore the average tight end by three or four points matters a little less. So I think I would go Akers, Gibson, and Lamb, but I'm also, I think, lower on Hawkinson than the rest of our uh, group. I th- I'm glad you said that because I agree with you. This is a format, three wide receivers and two flex and half PPR, where I'm not, I feel the same way about tight ends, unless it's Kelsey, really, and you can make the case for Kittle Waller. Yeah, I, I think this really hurts the tight end value, so... I thought I was on an island with that philosophy. I'm glad I, I'm glad you said that. All right, this is from Matt. Just finished listening to the latest podcast and loved the discussion on Cam Akers, particularly when you noted how risky it was taking him where he's going. I can't help shake the feeling that we're going to get bitten if we take him there. And there would be, you know, end of round one, early, early round two, round 12th overall. I posted this tweet the other day to try and illustrate something, and the tweet was comparing Cam Akers to Miles Sanders as rookies. Uh, I can tell there's a lot of Acre supporters out there, and they came at me. Wouldn't be surprised to see his value increase as we get closer to the season, if this is any indication. Um, I don't have to go through the whole tweet, but the tweet was basically saying, you know, we bought into Miles Sanders, his late-game stretch, and I was the guiltiest of all. <laughs> uh, are we making the same mistake with Cam Akers? Um, because Sanders was was better he averaged more points per game in the last six full games. He averaged almost three more points per game. This is according to Matt. Uh, and a little bit more points per touch. So 
that was that's why I do think it's silly to take Cam Akers over Stefan Diggs and Calvin Ridley and um DeAndre specifically Diggs, Diggs and Hopkins in full PPR. And that's happening and I don't agree with it. So, yeah, what do Agreed. you think? Yeah. I I've been like toying with the idea of dropping this take and I'm not sure, so I'll just put it out do there it. and we'll yeah. see what happens. Are we 100% sure Cam Akers is very good? Uh, well, Emory Hunt is not. I know that as a former running back and an evaluator of talent, he actually thinks Daryl Henderson. I don't know that he thinks Daryl Henderson is better, but he thinks Daryl Henderson is more explosive. And yeah, we didn't see a ton of explosive plays from Cam Akers. So I, and, I and think he's good. I think he's good. I'm not. No, I can't be convinced yet that he's incredible. He wasn't great in college. I mean, he averaged five yards per carry. His his junior season, he was 4.9 overall. Yes, there were offensive line issues there. There were major yes, there offensive line offensive issues. Offensive line issues last season with the Rams. But, you know, you look under the hood at a lot of the advanced stats, and he doesn't really shine all that much. He, had the, he was 39th among running backs in breakaway run rate, 38th in yards per catch, uh, 35th in evaded tackles. Um, you know, not a terrible receiver, but not a great one in either college or uh, the NFL so far. And so it's it's a little bit of a volume play yeah. in his case. I mean, even last season at the end of the year, the, the biggest thing he had going for him was he was getting like 28 carries. And, yeah. you know, he had one of the lowest broken tackle rates. Um, I just I think there are a lot of reasons to think Cam Akers might be more normal than his fantasy rankings would make you think and yep people are so gaga over cam Akers. yeah and and look i'm somewhat talent agnostic when it comes to running back i think situation and role matters so much more and if they start throwing the ball to him like they've talked about a little bit in the offseason and, and and you know he remains the number one running back there it might it might not matter he doesn't need to be super efficient if he gets 300 touches I just I do think there is a little bit of risk of him busting at this price. And I've got him as, you know, my number 21 overall player. So I am taking him behind my top six wide receivers. I am taking him behind Najee Harris and Jonathan Taylor and even Clyde Edwards Elair, which I know Edwards Elair especially is a is a bit of a hot take. But I like Edwards Elair's role more than I like Akers, and and I don't think there's a big talent difference between them. All right, hopefully we can get into that on a future show. That's an interesting debate. Let's read one more email here. Give me a moment. From DeMarcus, from a large city on the Wisconsin-Minnesota border. And then he says, I, I'm not Dave, so I don't know. Yeah, cities. no idea. Madison, St. Paul. Uh, sure. I'm in a 10 That's, team. Those, I don't think those two cities are anywhere near each other. <laughs> it's like Texas. Like five hours apart. <laughs> okay. I Minneapolis is next to St. Paul. I have not spent a lot of time that's, in the Midwest. That's why they're called the Twin Cities, Adam. Did oh, you know yeah, that? that's that I did know that. Yeah. <laughs> but I would I have no idea where Minneapolis is. Like the, the Minneapolis twins, the Minnesota twins logo of the two guys the two. shaking hands. One is Minneapolis, the other is St. Paul. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Have I, have, have I been to, I've never been to Minnesota. Have it's a I? nice town. Which one? Ethan and, I, Ethan and I went for, for the FSGA conference a couple of years ago. Look, I have been to Minnesota. Nice town. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Uh, DeMarcus says he's in a 10 team PPR league, two quarterbacks and it's dynasty. 
I had an awful season last year, finished second to last. My team is aging. I received an interesting trade offer. Let me know what you think. I receive 1.8 in 2021, a 2022 first, a 2023 first, and Julio Jones. I give up 1.2 in 2021 and Darren Waller. So you're giving up 1.2 and moving down to 1.8. And that's a big big drop this yeah. year of your rebuilding. But you are getting... Especially in a 2QB league. You are also giving up Darren Waller. He has Mark Andrews. But you are getting a first-round pick in 2022, a first-round pick in 2023, and Julio Jones. That's a really tough one. Darren Waller will be 29, I believe, on the first day of the season. Oh, um, happy birthday. The Thursday or the Thursday or Sunday? September thirteenth is the first uh, Sunday of the NFL season. Oh, the day after Week One Sunday. Oh, okay. so if they play on Monday night, it'll be a birthday. They probably they, the Raiders play every Monday night. I think they probably are playing on Monday night. <laughs> so uh, he'll be twenty nine this season. Either way, Julio obviously older. So I think that the way you have to view this is you're trading Julio no matter what right now, and you're you're yeah. trying to get back another first round pick and and in twenty twenty one if you can. Um, my they are my playing, they are playing on Monday night. The, every week one, the Raiders play Monday night yeah. football, and, and it's not even go. the late game because they don't it's have a late the game. only oh, game. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, my thought would be see what you could do just for Waller first, and try to hang on to one two. And if you could get, you know, one eight and one of those first rounders for Waller, I would do that. Um, because giving up one, two, that's a really difficult thing to do when you're in a rebuild. If not, I think it's okay, but that's contingent on trying to get and, you know, hopefully being able to get a first rounder from for Julio Jones, you know, a 2021 yeah. first rounder, hopefully too. Okay, everybody. Thank you very much for listening today to this fantasy football, 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 football today. Ball, <laughs> ball, ball. <laughs> football podcast. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you tomorrow with the top five titans. It was a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.